I always want to be authentic. Um, I always say to people, like, if you don't like people, don't work here. Like, if you don't genuinely like the human race, um, then humble's not the place for you. Or I think, I think hospitality in general, hospitality's not the place for you. It is all about people and food. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. We've featured many duos on Deep in the Weeds, formidable teams that combine their skills to deliver wonderful dining experiences. The industry is full of duos and teams that run on instinct, back their intuition and belief in their own vision to create unique venues. Jade Tariha is the co-owner of Humble on Duke on the Sunshine Beach in Queensland. Jade, how are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm good. You're part of a pretty dynamic duo that's making a real statement on the Sunshine Coast there. What's it like um, teaming up with uh, someone that's got completely different skill set to you to create something together? Um, oh, thank you. That's really nice. I hope we're making an impact and <laughs> making a statement. Um, we're like, I think it's, it's almost easy because, you know, you've got my skill set out the front and you've got someone running front of house and then you've got Stacey in the kitchen who, you know, it's not like I have to run around finding a chef and, and hiring a chef. You've got, we're already a team and we've already got that really strong foundation. So, um, she just runs all of that. And then sometimes I might help her, um, like on days like today on Wednesdays, but it's, it almost makes it, I mean, it's hard work, but it almost makes it a little bit easier because you've, you know, you've got that person that you rely on heavily that you know is not going to ever let you down. So, yeah, I, f- I think we're really lucky. Like I look at other businesses and speak to other business owners um, and I feel for them if they're, you know, if they're two front of house owners or um, two kitchen owners, you really want them to succeed. Um, and sometimes it can be a bit hard if you don't have that other strength out the front or out the back. So, yeah, I feel really lucky. There's a lot of restaurants that are built on the vision of a, of a single person, a restaurateur or a chef that has this idea of what they want to offer the market. When, it, when it's a joint sort of shared vision like this, how, how do you balance and create the offering that you're both pleased with? Balance. Um, balance is, is probably really hard to find in all aspects of what we do. <laughs> um, there's no real work-life balance and there's no real – um, but we, I don't know, it just happens. Like we, we've become more, um, focused. We're trying to ne- not get distracted with things and really setting time aside. I think Stacy and I, we sit down, we talk about something or, you know, I'll have one of my crazy ideas and, you know, I might be peeling potatoes or cutting onions. I'm like, Oh, we should do this. And she's like, okay. Sure. And then, you know, we'll, um, you know, we, then we've revisited again if it's a little bit, a little bit out there. And then, yeah, we sort of try and make it work. Um, she's, you know, pretty understanding of, and, you know, same with, with myself. Like, I mean, she's been in the industry a lot longer than me. She's a little bit older than me. So, um, <laughs> um, I certainly take her advice with things. Um, and, 
yeah, she's she's very talented. So we sort of throw ideas up in the air or we write them down on paper and then we sort of try and make it come to fruition. We've had Stacey on the show before talking about the creation of Humble on Duke and what you guys are delivering to the market. Tell us a bit about Humble on Duke from your perspective and, and what you've created there. Um, yeah, like we're really small. So we've got 14 seats um, inside the restaurant. Um, if I had it my way, it would probably just be the 14 seats. But we have this beautiful community around us and locals that are coming every week, sometimes twice a week, um, which can be quite difficult because I'm running out of things to wear. Um, but they're so lovely. And so we have like two little tables set up outside and they generally will book any time or just book directly with us. But the whole idea was to do something that we could both just do, like just us. Um, so Stacey in the kitchen and then myself out of the front. It hasn't quite worked like that. Like I have two, um, three staff out the front, um, Michaela, who works with me all the time on every night. And then I have two other um, very creative people that pop in and um, on other alternate nights and, and express themselves creatively, um, you know, in the bar or um, on the floor with their personality. So, yeah, we realised really quickly that, okay, we need maybe some more because our service for us is really, really important. Like we want people to feel like they're coming into our home. So, you know, um, water that's in a glass that's half sort of empty is probably my pet hate and everyone that I work with knows that and they're like, okay, quick, we've got we to top the water up. So, yeah, service is really, really special and, and important. So, yeah, we you know, Stacey's on her own in there. We recently, with the fact that we're sort of, we book out every night now, like we're a year and a half in and yeah, we thought we were doing sort of like 28 covers a night, which is like 26 or 28 is the magic number. So we're like, okay, maybe we'll get someone else in the kitchen to help you, Stacey, like, because it, it's quite taxing on her body. Um, and both of us, because we're in here, you know, people think because we're only open at night that we, you know, rock in at 3 p.m. And I'm like, no, we're in here at like 9.30, 10 in the morning, and she's prepping all day, making her own bread. Um, and then we're just like, well, it's another human being to, to look after and to nurture and to make sure they're okay. Um, so we dropped a night. Um, we're now only four nights a week. We're Thursday, Friday, Saturday and Monday. Um, yeah, so we thought that's that pressure of taking that off. Um, you know, that's like that 28 covers and it allows us to have a day off. Um, and then we actually come in and Wednesday is a complete working day for us. Um I mean, I think every day is when you're self-employed. Um, but, you know, sometimes you get a half day and that's really rewarding. Um, but, yeah, like it's, yeah, it's just us. It's just her in the kitchen. We have a junior that comes in and does the dishes um, sort of four or five in the afternoon and helps her. So we wanted to keep it small. And then we had two lockdowns and that, you know, that was when we first started gaining momentum. So we were, you know, hiring more staff and more front of house and maybe thinking we needed to get someone else in the kitchen for Stacey. And then we had those lockdowns. So it just reminded us to keep things small. So now when we get busier and we keep evolving and, and progressing, we're like, keep it small. 
keep it small, keep it small. Like we always, we have that conversation maybe once a week, um, which is really nice. So we're like, keep it small, keep it small. Um, and then when we've had, I think recently one of our kitchen hands, he went away on a placement to work in Brizzy and, um, we didn't really have anyone else to replace him, but we managed like, because we've kept it small, because we can manage our numbers, um, it works for us. The stress is still there, um, but, yeah, it's it's a little bit more manageable. So, I want to explore your approach to the front of house shortly, but take me back to when you were young. What, what sort of role did food play in your family? Um, this is probably going to be – many people don't know this, but um, I – my family are actually – grew up as traveling showmen and they owned food vans. So, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. So when I was like, you know, I was dipping Dagwood dogs and making fairy floss and, and whipping cream for waffles when I was like 14, 15 years old. Um, I think I was 16 years old when I, you know, I thought I was the greatest and running my own food van. It was my uncle's, but, um, so yeah, I sort of, my mum was a single mum, so she, when we were younger, when I was younger, of course, you know, my grandmother was a baker and I think everyone licks the beaters on the, you know, when they're making cakes and things like that. But food-wise, pretty, um, I'm not going to say dull, but pretty casual approach to food. You know, your chicken Kiev, your taco nights, things like that. I think, you know, when my mum used to ask me what I wanted for my birthday dinner, I'd be like, oh, it's definitely tacos, you know, Mexican tacos. Um, So pretty casual approach, but um, I was probably thrown into a world, yeah, when I was 15 or 16 that was very different. Um, I stayed with my aunt and uncle and worked in food vans and then they were like, okay, you need to, we need to probably get you to school now. Um, cause it was sort of a traveling show school. Yeah. And then I went to boarding school in Sydney, um, started year seven there. And then every week or probably not every weekend, probably when I was older, um, I was more, um, more of an asset to my, to my aunt and uncle when I was older. He'd fly me to town, you know, little country towns in New South Wales or Victoria to run, you know, big events, things like um, uh, St Kilda, the St Kilda Festival or the Moomba Festival in, um, or the Sydney Royal Easter Show, um, the Royal Melbourne Show, things like that. So, yeah, I sort of, yeah, I don't worry, I'm not a cook. Let me tell you that right now. I, <laughs> Stay, that's Stacey's domain. Um, but, yeah, I spent a lot of my teenage years doing that sort of stuff. And, yeah, it was pretty interesting um, events and food and things. Do you have any stories that you can share of those experiences that kind of really stand out? Um, I think... I think all of them are really special. Like every week you would go to a new town. Um, My uncle had quite a few food vans and my cousin would run one and I would run another. And, um, yeah, it's like every week you're setting up, every week. I can't even tell you the number of bags of fairy floss that I've made or got, you know, I had to do it and it was the worst. That was the worst thing that I (laughs) – But and it's it's such a joyous thing that everyone enjoys when they go to these um, shows, like agricultural or major shows. 
um, and the burns around my wrists from to sugar um, or the Dagwood dog exploding in my eye in the deep fryer. Like, and you'd still have to push on. Um, I remember being at one, I was at Moomba Festival and I reckon I was 16. It was the first time that my uncle was like, okay, you're running this one. You need to make sure you've got, you know, you've got staff. Um, you're going to have this person. You're going to have this many dagger dogs out here. Um, just cook the food. I'd be like, okay, cool. And it, this was, we'd be earning money, like a week's worth of money for a restaurant within six or seven hours. So you'd start at sort of 4 p.m., yeah, and then you'd work till midnight and there'd be so much money and there'd be mashed potato served instead of fries. Like we were just so busy, like the gas couldn't keep up with the oil and it's just such an adrenaline rush. Um, yeah, it, I, that's probably – that was when I had – you know, when you're dipping Dagwood dogs, you cover, sometimes there's a little bit of water in there somewhere or the batter won't – won't stick and it'll explode and I just I remember having oil in my eye and it was like 10 p.m and I'm saying to myself you just gotta go and they're like are you okay I'm like just serve just serve um but yeah really good that's probably why my adrenal system now is not so great because (laughs) I was doing that at a young age um probably my other my other favorite um show that we used to do was the Sydney Royal Easter show and my uncle had my aunt and uncle had a food van um, down near like a really interesting like itinerant area. So it was sort of all your farm animals and things like that. So it was like the only food van, and we were so busy. It was um, and much like restaurants, Good Friday is the biggest money earner for for hospitality restaurants and, and events and things like that when it comes to food because you can't just go to a bar and have a drink on Good Friday. Um, you've got to have a have a meal. So, and I said to Stacey because, um, yeah, this Good Friday just gone like last last week or whenever it was is um, was quite big for us and it's it's big for any hospitality venue. And I said to Stacey, I was like, it was always the biggest um, you know revenue or busiest day for us as well when we were selling Jackwood dogs and chips. Yeah, um, but I mean, yeah, that was. That was really interesting. Like we would have to come in at 6 a.m. and you'd pre-cook the chips. Like there'd be 15 kilo boxes of chips out the back. There'd be 20 or 30 boxes and you'd pre-do them because your fryers just couldn't keep up. So you'd come in real early. My cousin was probably the hardest worker. She'd get in there real early. And, um, yeah, just prep for the day. Um, that's that's pretty interesting time in my life, so... Tell us about your road to to restaurants. Was 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 that a road that you were always headed towards, or did you did you veer away from that originally? Mm, not restaurants. Um, I wanted to do because when I got when they sent me to boarding school, like my mum sent me, I left travelling, so I was not happy about it, and I went to an all girls boarding school in Sydney. Um, with a whole heap of country girls from country New South Wales. I must say, even to this day, it's probably the best time of my life, most rewarding. Um, the friendships that I made there I still have now and the girls whom I've made friends with there uh, I still talk to. Um, so I wanted to do, like, event management, 
um, like hospitality and advanced diploma in hospitality management and events, which I thought was interesting. So I, it actually starts when you go to TAFE, which is fantastic, by the way. Um, all the stuff I learned, all the lecturers I met, um, I can still remember their names. I can still remember how fun they were. Like one of them ended up being my restaurant manager at one stage at a restaurant in Adelaide. Um, you start with all your practical in like hospitality, so bar, coffee, working in a silver service restaurant, and then I was like, oh, I don't want to do this. Like this is ridiculous. Like I just get to the event stuff, you know. I want to run an event. I want to know how many portaloos I need to put on a, you know, if there's 10,000 people coming to an event. But as time went by, I think I was six or seven months in, all the bar stuff was really interesting. Um, working in restaurants, I managed to get like two or three casual jobs in three different restaurants, um, which is great. So I was like, okay, cool. I've got, a, I've got a couple of jobs now. I don't need to do this degree. So I ended up leaving because I got a really good job at a great restaurant at the race course in Adelaide. Um, the only problem was is I couldn't get a full-time job. So I worked at a really good restaurant um, there and I ended up getting like full-time work in, you're going to laugh at this, um, debt collection for the big four banks. Yeah. Because I was, I think I was early 20s then and, you know, I wanted to travel. I wanted a, a job that I could earn good money in and then just do what I wanted to do. Um, working in a job like that, that was a little bit sedentary. Fun and interesting, very interesting. You learn how to, um, what's the word? Like you're listening, really listening to people, not just listening at what they're saying but listening to them and their reactions to things you say and that was an interesting time. Um, but I always kept like my foot in the door with um, with hospitality. So I always – I ran a little restaurant. Oh, it's not little. It We sat – I think we sat 300 on the big race days and then um, – yeah, I know. It's ridiculous, isn't it? Um, 300 on the big race days, but most Saturdays, like every Saturday there'd be 50 people, but it'd be the same people. So you'd have all your, you know, Gay Waterhouse would be there, all the board of directors that, um, you know, run run Randwick race course and um, horse trainers and horse owners, um, the same doctors that sit on table one, um, you know, the best cardio um, surgeon in Adelaide and he, you know, and he'd be there every weekend and he'd want the same level of service. So um, that was that was great. Um, and then I think I used to take annual leave at my, um, my nine-to-five job and go work there in the spring racing carnival season. Um, and then when that got a little bit, yeah, when that got a little bit boring for me, I actually... Um, my very best friend who I'm good friends with still now, um, two girlfriends that I met there, we've been friends for about 15 years. Um, she was running, um, an adult entertainment club and I was like, oh, I can come and bartend. That'll be fun. Um, cause I just was bored doing my nine to five job. Um, but it was, yeah. So I actually worked there in a nightclub for almost eight years and it was probably the most interesting time because I was meeting the same people, um, 
you know, whether it be every couple of months or every week, building these relationships with people who are genuinely really nice um, and just want someone to talk to. And I think that taught me a lot about the human race and sort of how to treat people or um, really interesting time. But um, I kept doing, I kept my other job until we moved to Dubai because Stacey opened up a restaurant with another very good chef over here in Australia over there. So I sort of let that job go, all my jobs go, um, when we moved. And it wasn't until we got back from Dubai that I just said, all right, let's, we want to own our own restaurant. I'll just get rid of my cushy job and let's do the hospitality. I'll just do it full, full time, full time. So, yeah. Well, tell us about that plunge into hospitality full time and, and finding a site and finding your voice. Um, what, what was it like? What were the challenges of creating your own venue? Um, we, so I, Stacey was a head chef at a little vineyard restaurant um, in Toowoomba. So from Dubai, we moved to Toowoomba because that's where my parents lived at the time. Um, very big change. Um, and then we, they were really stuck because they were getting really busy. And I said, well, look, I've run a restaurant before. I can come and help you. And I, we were working together. So that was, it was such a beautiful little venue and it was sort of a trial for Stacey and I to see if we could work together. Um, I resigned, um, the three times in the first six months because I was like, this is your thing. Um, she's, she's a superstar. Um, but I did help you know, put things into place, make sure the restaurant was running smoothly and just help and assist them. Um, and I think we were there together for a year. I think after after sort of seven or eight months, I realised that there's this other side. You know, I've been with Stacey for quite a few years, but when you're working with someone and you're working with your partner, you never really understand or see that other creative side of them. So it wasn't until, yeah, we'd been working together for seven months and I saw that creative side, um, which I appreciate. You know, I'd be demanding. I'd be the restaurant manager out the front going, okay, I need these three menus and I need them now and they're for weddings that are in uh, two years' time um, because we did bespoke weddings. So um, I would meet with them, have a conversation, and Stacey would – I'd then chat with her and she'd design um, a menu based on them. Like, for example – one couple we hosted their wedding for, he did Rocky Mountain Oysters as a um, a canapé, which are, if you Google that, they're actually bull's testicles, cooked, crumbed, and then served. And then he made sure that we didn't tell his mother-in-law what they were. Anyway, they're delicious. I don't know if anyone else has cooked them. They're actually really delicious. But the story to tracking down bull's testicles are actually really hard. And it's quite a funny story. Um and there was another funny, um, you know, we did green ant icy poles and things like that, sort of beast boat little wedding. Yeah, like just fun stuff. We wanted to do something a bit different um, and the owners were like, yeah, let's do it. And it's, yeah, it was beautiful. But from there, like we'd worked a year together and then we were actually, we resigned because we were going to travel overseas. We were going to one of the world's best restaurants in Italy and had planned like a six I think it was a six-week trip to go to Europe and then spending some time in Italy and go to Massimo Batura's restaurant. Um, and that was sort of booked for May 2020, 
when anyway, whenever the lockdown was in March, um, it was a couple of months after that, and I was thought we were still going, and that didn't happen. But we from Toowoomba, we moved to the Sunshine Coast, and I worked for another great restaurant here. Um, and they were cool with me going overseas. I started probably a month before the pandemic. Um, Stacey was taking like a couple of months off. And then the pandemic hit. And then it was um, interesting because I'd only been working at this place probably um, just over a month. And we didn't have any friends here. We'd managed to get a little place in um, a little hinterland town, probably 20 minutes from Sunshine Beach. Um, and then lockdown happened and I don't think we sort of went back into work for a few months. And we'd always just thought about, we'd got our money back from our trip and we said, okay, what should we do? Should we um, open our own place? And we just were looking at spaces that were available and right next to um, the restaurant I was working at right next to that or sort of three or four shops down, there was this little tiny space full of crap, like chairs to the roof, tables to the roof, um, cutlery, glasses, plates, two, three, four fridges. There was four fridges in here. Um, it was just, I don't even know how they opened, to be honest. Um, and we looked at this in another space and – this one already had everything in it. We we haven't used most of the sort of stuff that's aesthetically pleasing. Um, we got rid of that and started fresh. But stuff like the grill, um, oven, extraction was in. So it was almost because when we wanted to open our own restaurant, we wanted to do it ourselves and we didn't want to get a loan and we wanted to spend our own money and do it all ourselves. So that played a huge part you know having the oven there and the extraction and the grease traps already in it's sort of all set up that saves you sort of 15,000 maybe if not a little bit more um so yeah we sort of coming out of the pandemic when I think restaurants were limited to 20 or 50 people in their restaurant we just started looking at spaces signed um it took probably a couple of months to sign but we didn't really know what we were doing. Like our accountant was like, just do a business plan. So I was like, okay. Um, and we based it on really sort of what we're going to do. Always do a set menu, always. That was because Stacey's on her own. So there was no way that we could, um, she could express herself creatively or we could successfully make sure they had a fantastic time by doing an a la carte menu. Plus we're too small, like, um, I think most people understand that. They understand why we continue to have that menu. Um, and then, yeah, we sort of opened and we're a year and four months in, a year and a half in now. Has, has Humble on Duke changed from your original vision at all? Um, I think so. I, for me personally, when we opened... I was like, okay, really small, 14 seats, not a degustation, but sort of a degustation. You know, we'd, we've been to a lot of those restaurants, but it we've sort of gone, it's more a community restaurant. Like we've got the same people coming back every week, the same people that are having banter with me that make me feel good. When I feel shitty, there's a family that there's a – lady Rachel that I message because she's been here every week since April last year and I just message and say hey what are you doing tonight you want to come for dinner 
you know, if we've had a bad week or a bad day and she will just say, yep, we'll be there, you know. Um, they were here on our year anniversary and brought champagne. Um, she messaged me Sunday, just gone for a table for five on the Monday when we were already booked out. And I said, sure, let's do it. And then Stacey cooked for 41 people, which is the most she's ever cooked for. <laughs> but I don't know. It's, um, it's changed in the aspect where, yeah, we've realised that building relationships now is much more important than putting people and numbers through the door. So it's really important for, for me as well, like I, I would say for Stacey's all, but it's really important for me that the people who I work with, the people who are coming into our restaurant, that I'm building a relationship with them, that I make them feel good. I want them to feel good. Um, you're coming into my home. I spend more time here than I do at home with my dog. Um, you know, when my friends would feel shitty in Adelaide, I would cook food and invite them over. So you know, it's a little bit different. People are feeling good when they come to the restaurant here, I hope. But if you're having a shitty day, um, come, let let us, let Stacey cook for you. Let me give you some wine. Let me open, open up some of my favourite wines for you. Let's try something different. Um, yeah. It's so, it's sort of gone from that I had this vision, but I've obviously gone to all these restaurants across the world. Oh, yeah, fancy, fancy. And it's not. It's just, it's a humble little home. I know that sounds ridiculous, but. It's just our little home and we want, you know, Stacey's food is beautiful. I know that. Um, we don't always get it right. Um, we make mistakes. We're human beings. But for the most part, I think we're doing okay. You mentioned when you were working at the nightclub that you learnt a lot about people and front of house is all about managing perceptions and people. Um, tell, us, tell us what you mean by that and, and how that translates into what you do. I think authentic be honest and just make people feel good. Um, there'll be not, probably not, I always comment on people's outfits because I don't know if you've seen what I wear, but it's pretty loud most of the time. Um, but when I, and it's it's really nice because a lot of men and women who come into the restaurant are wearing loud shirts. You know, the other night I had a gentleman here and I said, do you want to start with a cocktail? And he's like, yeah, sure. Just get Sonny to surprise me, which is my really creative bartender. I said, all right, beautiful. Why don't we just get him to make something that matches your shirt? And I literally just said that to Sonny. I said, can you please get a cocktail for table three for the gentleman so it matches his shirt? And then he just goes on this thing and he's like, okay, cool, yeah, I can do that. Um, but they walk in, you know, they walk in the door or walk up to the restaurant and if I see something I like, I'm going to tell them. And probably, you know, the last time someone said that to me was probably, I don't know, last week when they're like, oh, I love your pants or I love your dress. And it makes someone feel good. Like there's a level of endorphins that are released in your body that make your day better. It could make your day better. So for me, when people come in here, I want them to feel good first and foremost, feel comfortable. Um, but I want to be authentic in all of my delivery. Like I always say to people that I hire, because I've worked in venues where, you know, I've been guilty of it and gone, oh, God, that person on table two, uh, you know. And for me, now I'm here and if one of the – if Michaela says to me or someone says, oh, that I'm not sure – I don't quite get table two. Do you reckon you can go over? And it's it's not a game, but it's almost like trying to understand them, understand what they want. 
So I'll go over to, you know, table two and go, hey, what are we feeling? What do we want to do tonight? What do we want to drink? Do you want to have a cocktail? Should we just feed you? Um, and I relay that because she's a little bit younger than, than Stacey and I, but she's learning and it's such a beautiful thing to watch. Um, and it's just understanding them, understanding what people want, um, reading people, I think. Um, but, yeah, I always want to be authentic. Um, I always say to people, like, if you don't like people, you do, don't work here. Like, if you don't genuinely like the human race, um, then humble's not the place for you. Or I think I think hospitality in general, hospitality's not the place for you. It is all about people and food. Um, I mean, in my eyes. So, uh, yeah, I want I want people to enjoy what they do. And when they have a difficult person, it's just learning to understand them um, and and learn what makes them tick. That's that's interesting for me. That's what makes me, you know, I can have people come in here and just be have this big wall up. And then, you know, Stacey's food helps with that because as soon as they have that first soup, they're like, oh, this is good. Oh, this is nice. And I'm like, okay, so do you want to do the wine pair now? Like I don't really pair or match wine to Stacey's food. It's more, you know, what I'm drinking at the moment, what's fun, what's got a bit of attitude or my favourite winemakers. Like it's not about that. There's this level of unpretentiousness that that we want to put out so that people feel comfortable and like nine times out of ten, you'll get a table that are just like, oh, I'm just going to have the one glass or I'm going to stick with sparkling water and just do this menu. And then ten minutes into it, they're like, hey, can we switch this? Can we do the feed me and get the extra side and get the extra dessert? And then can I just go, let's just do all the glasses in the wine pair. We'll just do three. I'm just going to leave the car here and it can have a sleepover. And I'm like, perfect, let's do it. You know, like it's such a nice thing to see. You see people come in with, you know, hesitation or they're a bit dubious and you take them on this journey and they're 10 minutes in and they feel comfortable. It's really beautiful. It's I really like it. It's something I enjoy seeing. You've had Humble for about a year and a half now. What sort of impact has it has it had on you? Has it changed you at all? Has it changed me? Um I, if I can tell you all the funny little health issues I have now, it would just be so hilarious. But <laughs> like, I have, I have orthotics now. Um, I don't know if these are old people things or <laughs> whether it's just from me being on my feet. Like, I've worked on my feet my whole life, mostly. You know, done um, twelve or fifteen hour shifts. Um, but yeah, this health wise. Um, yeah, it's it's a journey. Um, I think there's like a level of anxiety, and I think ev- I think everyone can agree with me in you know when you're running front of house or even in the kitchen. Um, there's that level of um, anxiety that everyone has before service. I I think I've always maybe had it, but when you're older, you realise what it is. Um, and pressure. Um, there's a lot of pressure. But it's been really beautiful. Um, Stacey and I now, like, we just dropped down to four nights, I think, a couple of months ago. We feel much better, um, but we were distracted initially. So now we really dedicate, like, all of Wednesday's work and then all of Tuesday is research. Um, like, we drive down to, yeah, we drive down to Brisbane once a fortnight or, or once every three weeks to go for dinner and meet other people who are own restaurants and owner-operated. Um, yeah, I think 
for me, it's made me more patient, um, made me a little bit more anxious, but also trying to find like there's no such thing as balance people say that you got to find the balance but I personally can't I don't it's more of one or more of the other so I think it's just appreciating the smaller things like last night we we bought a whole heap of wines and we tried them last night to potentially put them on the wine list and then Stacey made a curry and then the dog was there and we just had a fantastic time because we sat down on the couch eating curry and trying wines like it's just little things like that they're yeah they're quite beautiful what do you love about what you do oh god that's a hated question isn't it what do i love um i think it's i mean i have my own little home where i can express myself um creatively i love wine um I've spent a good 12 years in Adelaide. I grew up there. I've Every weekend I would go to vineyards. So I'm putting wines on my list that I, you know, grew up drinking. And there's some wines that I have on my list that no one else has up here. And they're pretty, pretty special vineyards or, or wineries that, Everyone, if you grew up in South Australia, you knew them. That's where you would go. So those putting those beautiful wines on my list that mean something to me or have a story. Um, I love um, celebrating female winemakers or females in our industry um, especially. Uh, most of my wines on my list are female winemakers because I think it's time to shine. Not all of them, Um but, yeah, I try and celebrate that and to celebrate and build relationships with people probably first and foremost. Like I'm building relationships with whether it be my suppliers or people that come in the door um, and dine in our restaurant. It's really, really beautiful. Well, Jade, it's an absolute honour to hear just a part of your story today on Deep in the Weeds. Um, please keep in touch and um, would love to catch up again soon. Yes, please. Thank you for listening to me waffle on. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we take a deep dive into the lives of the incredible people who ply their trade in the food and hospitality sector. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well.